10 episodes. We did it. The end. No, just kidding. 10 episodes in, and we are going to talk about the 10-year anniversary special Forever Red. I'm Rhino. I'm Ken. And we are the Podcast Rangers. Rangers. Oh, my. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am your host, Rhino, as always, joined by my co-host, Ken. We didn't change it this time, not for this episode. We sure didn't. Not this one. I'm still pulling from management to get a new co-host. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there Eventually. No <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the sad part is Ken is stuff. manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ken is the manager. So <laughs> Mr. Manager, actually. But um so yeah, we are, uh, we thought, I thought it would be fun to do a, a fun little numbers game. And when we got to episode 10, we were going to talk about the 10 year anniversary. It's like, I, I don't even know why we're celebrating 10, 10 episodes. Over the, I don't know if you're aware of this. We are the longest running podcast. I've checked, um, oh. we're the longest running podcast on the internet. Oh, I, I'd be interested to see what Wikipedia article you're pulling that out of. And if it's actually spelled, uh, let's please don't check that. Um, <laughs> Is this what you tell all your uh, teachers in school when you write a paper? I'm the longest running person who is running a podcast right now in this room at this very moment who is actually speaking. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, Let the record show Ken did not perjure himself. Uh, So, yeah, um, we are celebrating the 10 episodes. And like I said, 10 year anniversary. Look back here on Forever Red. And uh, I think later, maybe when we get to 15 or 20, we'll do some fun some fun lookbacks at the 15 year anniversary and the 20 year anniversary look back. If you can hear any a clicking and clack, and I've got a little tap dancer next to me that's just going at the same time. It's my corgi that's decided to run up the stairs. He thinks I have popcorn for him, and I do not. I hate to disappoint him, but um, yeah. So the most depressed corgi once he gets to the top of the stairs. Isn't it? Isn't it crazy that like this 10 year anniversary? I mean, this was uh, this aired in. 1993 right uh 10 year 1993 that's (laughs) not how time works uh 2003 right and uh gosh 10 years that was 17 years ago it's it is insane do you remember the first time you saw the episode did you watch it when it aired okay so I'm going to tell you why I very distinctly remember this. So uh, for a project, so in my high school where I graduated, we had um, the local community access station for cable was in the school. It had like, like used space uh, that the town had given it or something like that. And so I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to do this stuff. And so I, <laughs> I'm going to learn. I was the first one uh, to do this and I created like an independent study and tried to incorporate the, the community access station into the school. And um, my project for my independent study was that I was to write a letter to all uh, people from TV shows that I was watching at that time to see if I could get them to do some sort of an over the air interview. And I sent it out to like, like it's such random stuff like uh, the, the cast of enterprise uh, because that had just started, was fairly new at that point or something. I, I want to say I sent these letters out in 2002 and it might have even been hold, hold on when when wait did this episode air in 2003 uh I know that's when the DVD came out 
I know this was. So it was in two thousand two. That's what I thought. That's what I said. I, I that's why I was like, no, that can't be right because Time Force was two thousand one, and this was two thousand two. I think it was celebrating the tenth was like the tenth anniversary celebration, but also the tenth season celebration or something. I I I don't I don't really know. Whatever. It had ten Red Rangers in it, right? So um, yep. people people are already like, we hate you. Um, but I knew the math. I I knew this was happening um, because I had actually interviewed. So this aired October fifth, two thousand and two. I did. I had done uh, an interview with Jason Font, and he oh. told me about the episode. Um. And, uh, yeah, so it was, a it was an interesting experience and it, it, um, it, he, so I like, I was like, well, I can't wait for this or whatever. So, um, did he, did he give you like any juicy leaks? Like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get Tommy. We're going to get Jason. No, it was a lot of stuff. He basically couldn't really talk about it at all. He just was kind of saying there was, there was going to be this thing that united these like 10, like 10 power rangers together and stuff like that so we couldn't really You're like oh really two teams are gonna combine yeah right and um but no he was he was really nice uh very gracious person like he i, I had it, like i got a voicemail like i came into the studio played a voicemail and it was like hi this is jason font and i was like i'm i've died i've passed i am a ghost <laughs> um I, I should also say I did end up interviewing uh, the the gentleman uh, John Billingsley who played Doctor Flux uh, from Enterprise as well, um, and I thought when he called me, someone was making a joke, so I was rude on the phone at first, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I am so sorry," but he was he was a lot of fun. He was hilarious. Um, uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So. Uh, I, yeah, I, I basically knew it was going to air. I think this was back when I was still watching the show, too, whenever the new episodes were on. Because this is, I think this had been, uh, I don't think it was, was it on during the week still? I can't remember. But I do remember the episode airing and watching it with, like, my friend at the time. And uh, I loved it. Do you remember watching it or did you watch it after the fact? Uh, I watched it after the fact and I had to look this up to see when the DVD came out because I heard about it from seeing the DVD first. And this was like, this is one of those things like I was just getting into buying my own DVDs. I was still in high school. um, And like my first box set was the Nightmare on Elm Street box set. And that was like my first purchase. And there were other things. And I saw there was a cover with all these Power Rangers on it. And I was like, wow, these suits look really stupid, except for the In Space and the Mighty Morphin. Wait, they have a Mighty Morphin one? And then I looked at the back and it was like a best of. And it's uh, the best of Power Rangers, the Ultimate Rangers. And on there it says Forever Red. And the description gives a little brief thing where it talks about uniting these different Rangers. So I was like, wait a minute. Um, I have it in my hands. That's actually how I, I had first heard about it. So I had missed it when it aired. It was the best of Power Rangers, the Ultimate Rangers, and it has uh, pink light, uh, pink Lost Galaxy, black Mighty Morphin, red Wild Force, blue Lightspeed, and yellow in space. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has on it uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the White Light Part One and Two, Power Rangers in Space Countdown Destructions One and Two, Power Rangers Lost Galaxy to the Tenth Power, and then Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue Trakina's Revenge, and then Power Rangers Wild Force Forever Red. So, uh, 
you know, this is quite the collection of Power Rangers. Especially if you consider, like, up to this point, there wasn't, I don't think there was any DVDs with Power this, Rangers. This is, I believe, um, this is the first Power Rangers DVD release. Um, I think it was, I remember. I think it was videos before this. Uh so like I had like some of the VHS like I had the one with like the black power like Mighty Morphin um kicking the the knight right um I had that one and then I had the second uh green with evil one and like those were the VHSs I had this DVD was the first one but also it was like for a while like aside from like these one off episode things it was like the DVD that existed they were always like best of DVDs they were never like full seasons they'd be, they'd be story later. arcs yeah because yeah. Time Force had the most extensive I think uh, of it released in these video story arcs um, and it was essentially almost the entire series because the Time Force one I think had the end it had the like the end of time but it also had like Dawn of Destiny but it also had the beginning and then it had Eric's story as well um, so it was pretty yeah this was the first one that really was this is the first time there was ever really a celebration of the entire series as a whole and not just the season before or anything like that mm-hmm. so um, and honestly like uh, you know this this um, I I think this special I mean we we both just watched it rewatched it again I think this special is a tight episode like I think it is a very well uh, written episode that really it, it really honors kind of it it touches on every one of the seasons represented has a moment in it you know and mm-hmm. has moments to shine including the people and I understand where we're at almost 30 years now that can be difficult these days but it was it was one of those where I don't know that they've done uh, a crossover quite as well as this one I did enjoy Dimensions in Danger the 20th anniversary I think was just a wash uh I, I enjoy the 15th anniversary, but again, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But I, I think that this one is, is, was handled very well because it, the story also kind of exists in its own little pocket, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's self-contained enough, but also like, it's the one thing that I, I kind of, when I'm thinking of episodes, like if you and I are talking about like, well, what's your favorite episode? It's like, well, one that pops up, like, even if it's not my favorite episode, it's like the one I go to where I'm just like, that was really interesting all the things that they tried to do. Well, what's really cool about it too, is it's got a little bit of like, a, it's, it does have that celebration of everything because it was still on the, it was still in the classic mode of how they were doing power Rangers, you know, but, mm-hmm. but it also was using stuff that would come along later. Like it, they used, um, you know, digital, uh, explosions on them, you know, here yeah. and there, not entirely. And they used some computer effects in this episode um, that weren't as as prevalent back then. And and there was some of that, but it was also like great, great classic wire fighting. This was when they really, I think, were really getting that wire fighting like down to like perfection. Like they were like, you know what? Let's just experiment with it. Let's get let's get a little more, a little crazier, you know. And this is also this was the last season that was, it was part of Fox and then part of Disney. Um, so I don't, I don't remember if this aired on Disney on ABC family, or if this aired on Fox, I thought this was still, I, we talked about this before. I thought wild force aired on Fox in its entirety, but I am not, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. I can't remember those things. And I didn't think to look that sort of an information up really, to be honest with you. But um, let's do you want to dive into the episode and talk about the episode yeah, a little bit? Go ahead. Uh, so, I mean, like I started taking notes, which we're back to the episodes where I can take notes on things uh, when Rhino's not kind of like side railing us anyway. Um, 
did your so I watched it on Netflix because I didn't want to unpack my DVDs. Uh, did yours have that weird like squiggle like the weird recording stuff on it? My DVD. Did you notice that? Oh, did you watch it on your DVD? No, I watched it on Netflix. <laughs> okay, on Netflix it has a weird like recording thing and it's all squiggly. Uh, I didn't. I don't know the squiggly that you're talking about. I didn't see it. Okay, well, I watched it on my computer and then. I mean, I also own the, the, I don't have the entire series yet, but I think Wild Force is one of the, uh, no, I lied. It's not one of the ones I own, but um, it's, uh, some of that stuff can come from, I I noticed this happens a lot with a lot of like video stuff that Mm -hmm. is being upgraded from that time frame. A lot of the, uh, the pan and scan sort of stuff doesn't, doesn't want to upscale very well and so yeah. it causes this like shutter that starts to happen if this every was our 20th episode i would have researched and watched the dvd and the netflix episode but since not that committed 10th, yet yeah yeah no um so but there aside from that like one of the first things you see like it starts with the villains again which i think is like one of those things that was happening more frequently with these seasons after mighty morphin like starting with villains and you're getting introduced to the bad of this uh, episode, which is uh, general Vengex, which is some people would recognize as shadow Borg. Yes. From B- from uh, big bad beetle Borgs. Yes. Uh, as well as the green beetle Borg um, working alongside him as his uh, right hand. Um, I don't recognize some of the other ones, but I also didn't watch all oh, of Beetleborgs. Those are all Beetleborgs too. Okay. Yeah, they're they're so, from um, Beetleborgs Metallics. There was like I forget what they were called, but they showed up. There was a whole arc with this like knife and coins or something that went in the knife, and they were all okay. looking for them. I forget what they were called. So I have those are all them. Like I have the figure arts of the Beetleborgs, like the main three, and then the Shadowborg. And like after the first season, like I I fell off, but seeing the Shadowborg and have him still being a villain. I've always liked that aspect of it because it was always one of those things. I was like, hold on a minute. And this is where you start to see like Saban and them were reusing or repurposing things that they had access to, um, or even like the Toei at that point. Mm -hmm. So, uh, to continue, um, also the intro of Andros in this is very similar to kind of one of the first times you see him, uh, when he's introduced earlier on, uh, with the kind of like um, the villain banquet thing, and he's kind of like in that cloak thing. Do you recall? Oh, this? yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I so I said so. I just I was rereading my notes, and I'm also trying to just pull up some of uh, some interesting facts about this episode that I'm learning for the first moment right here, um, but. Uh, I said the reuse of Beetleborg's costumes was always a thing. Cause, cause this was also like, if you were watching this now, you wouldn't know anything about that. I don't think, but at that time, Beetleborg's was like, had not, had not been off the air that long. So mm-hmm. you're very much like, and you probably watched that cause they were, they aired pretty close to each other in the afternoon after school. So it, I always thought that was funny. I always said Andros loves a good lurking. He's always mm-hmm. lurking somewhere and he's always got his velvet robe. <laughs> Yeah, well, because he he can he's, hide his hair, his hair highlights in that. Well, he's, he's consistent, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and then the my favorite thing is the fact that the robots uh, to chase him down are on horses. I know, I know, I I, I wrote I wrote horses in my notes too because I was like, I don't remember these horses. <laughs> like, it's like a horses on the moon. B these poor I, horses are I having. Don't think they're, 
supposed to be horses. I think they're because they have like the armor on them and stuff like that. I think they're like how the um, Piranatrons are riding horses in Turbo. Space horses. Yeah, space horse. Um, well, you didn't even mention the weirdest thing about this entire episode. You're like, why is there air on the moon? Right. I mean, it's, it's really point. the only the only major critique I have of this episode is the oxygen <laughs> on the moon. That isn't could it literally have been explained with like one line. Like maybe they needed it in order to dig up the Terpentera or something. They were just like, nah, no one's going to ask any questions. Just go with it. You put a dome over the moon. Well, like, or if they had to morph in the building before they went outside, something like that, you know, right. or, or it was something like that. Like they had, to, you know, but I wonder if when they were filming this episode, they were just like, oh, we're filming in the quarry again. So we're just on Earth. And then later on, they're just like, no, we're on the moon. No, because uh, there's actually a whole bunch of uh, stuff about the the original. There were there were several scripts written for this episode. In fact, there were four of them, I believe. Um, and there are some interesting stuff about them. I'm on the power Rangers, uh, like wiki fandom, uh, the Ranger wiki right now, looking at some of that information. And one thing I had completely forgotten, but I'll bring it up later when we meet them, meet them. So, okay. Um, Vulcan skull pop up. Yeah. And I do, I do love this cameo too, because I always feel like, again, um, they're kind of underrated or I feel like the kind of comedy we get in nowadays in Power Rangers is kind of a slap in the face to what Bulk and Skull are doing because I right. get that somebody can look at that on a piece of paper. Somebody can look at a breakdown on a, like a written breakdown of Power Rangers and what all the elements were and they'll be like, okay, non, you know, um, slapstick comedy people. But that's not what Bulk and Skull actually were. Bulk and Skull were the were the villains to the regular kids originally. Mm-hmm. So they were the unmore, the unsuperpowered villains that they had to deal with in a regular day. And then they, so they were the counter basically to read in them, but there were also people who had this arc who became more than that. And yeah, they went through a lot of stuff and it was supposed to be kind of ridiculous and like funny, but it wasn't like they're good at it. Like it, mm-hmm. it when I rewatched it, I was like, this is good. Like they are, they are the reason why they're around so often. And it, it never even stuck out to me. The The thing is the modern stuff sticks out like a sore thumb, but the right. bulk and skull stuff, they seem just like seems they so fluid. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Maybe it's just, it has to do with the comedy. Like I, I do enjoy the people on the two on beast morphers right now, but it is like, it is like intentionally, everything is too Annie. intentional. The ridiculousness. Um, yeah. Well, like, uh, was it Jason RV and, um, Schneider Schneider, um, for bulk and skull, like the actors, like they had practiced like theater based things. So like they had some familiarity with like, you know, presence and like playing off of another actor uh, to the point where it doesn't seem forced, right? They seem like they could be cordial, like friends who would interact like this. Whereas I think like later on in the other seasons of Power Rangers, like it's very much forced, like you have to be slapstick, try to be like Laurel and Hardy and stuff. Um, And that's to the detriment of kind of like the comedy aspects of it. Well, and I I hate the idea that that always needs to be there because there was like, there was not, there was no comedies. There was no like com- comedic sidekicks in Time Force, or mm-hmm. you know, and and the sidekicks don't always have to be ridiculous. Like I think Dino Thunder did a good job of having like sidekicks that were funny, but they weren't. It wasn't like ridiculousness. It was it was a little more. But but regardless, I do really appreciate that they have a they have an appearance there. And actually, I guess they were originally supposed to have a much more a much longer um, 
ex- extended experience, uh, ex- extended scene that you can watch on YouTube is what I'm reading here. Hmm. Um, so let me see if I have it here. Um, cut lines and scenes here it is so bulk and skull have a much longer scene referencing all of the show's old monsters including ones from Lightspeed through wild force that they never met on screen bulk is trying to one-up skull forgetting that skull was there for all of it skull is trying to avoid professor phenomenus uh and tommy oliver was retired and was owner was the owner of bulk's restaurant he isn't aware hmm. the machine empire until he isn't aware of the machine empire until Andros calls him. The trim scene gives the impression that bulk and skull who are nervous of Tommy are aware he's a ranger and that Tommy has already been working with Andros as the one line I'm retired, never aired uh, power Rangers Dino thunder would follow up the implication that Tommy was active and reveal that he was working in secret under disguise as a science teacher to prepare for Mesagog's return. Um, Which that leads into my next thing is like, shouldn't Tommy be working like either on his, well, studies I, or no, I, I look at it like I think that what I interpret from that scene is basically that that bulk and uh, maybe not with skull, but well, because it's called Club Bulkmeyer is that club has created uh, club bulk has created the new Ernie's. Yeah. So I, I think in turn, that's kind of a reference to Ernie's. And I, I know um, the actor who played Ernie has passed away since I'm not sure if he was passed away then, but I I think it's almost even if either way, I think it's kind of a nice reference to that. And so I think Tommy might've just been there, but I always had thought like their, their like reverence for him was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say whatever happened to club bulk I hope it's still, I hope it's still going strong in angel grove. Sure. I'm sure it's fine. Um, do you, so uh, I guess if we continue, like I had mentioned like the, the Shadowborg's name is uh, general Vengex. Um, and you're, then I you're just... jumping too far ahead. I still have more stuff before we get there. Oh, fine. Go so then the next scene we we see Carter rolling up in the 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 uh, the Humvee of the uh, Lightspeed Rescue Rangers, and I do like how he's <laughs> not what. I don't think that's what they're called. Rescue what? Rangers. I said Lightspeed Rescue Rangers. So... Are they just Lightspeed Rangers? And I yeah. hear it, but it's like the season was called Lightspeed Rescue. So I don't know. I guess they worked at the place. I don't know. Anyway, so he's there. And I like that he's kind of doing the recruiting because it also is consistent with his character. He's very militaristic. You know, he was the fireman. He was in this thing. And I like how also that season ends. That was the first series that really ended with like specifically ended. And they were like, we still have our powers. We're just running off into the sunset sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I enjoy how he gets in there. And I love, I love how limited Cole's role is in this episode, but I also respect how it is used. Like he's the new guy and he's, so they pair him off with Jason a lot, but um, yeah, I said that he liked that. I said, I also really enjoy that the meeting where they all meet up is at Nasada because that's a nice reference to uh, in space. Cause that's where the, the ship came and Nasada has always been kind of an essential part of that sort of history. And even so now more with the comics, but um, and I, and I did also write here that I liked that the episode didn't start from Cole's perspective. Like you said, um, I enjoy that when they do go in and they're all getting introduced that the show is consistent where he, he, this has already happened after the crossover. So he like runs over to Wes and Eric and he says, hi. And then I like how they kind of all go around the room. I also thought it was interesting how TJ and Andros are on a team yet again, but TJ is another color, but he yeah. works with him. 
I love TJ too. I just love how his attitude all the time. But um, do you have any notes before we get back to the board, the the shadow board? Um, because I still have a, a bunch more before we oh, get there. Uh, I just want to know. Yes. Uh, so, well, when uh, Cole's getting recruited, he's like uh, the fate of the entire universe. Uh, but we only need you. So, like, yeah, I like how they're all there together, and he's like. Okay. Like what do those other people have going on? Uh, I mean, I guess they, he, they would have to stay and fulfill their uh, respective power ranger duties because this is the, this is kind of the first, I mean, not maybe the first time, but this is interesting that this is a threat, not from the main villain and not involving the main villain whatsoever. It's a whole mm -hmm. nother thing happening in a whole nother area that they're not even dealing with there. Cause in, in wild force they're dealing with like the animarium and the, all that stuff that's happening there in that city so this kind of moved like i like that this takes a step removed and says like oh we need all these people for this bigger this it larger helps it, yeah it helps it make the idea that there is a larger universe out there that yeah. they're still these people are still working still doing stuff we talked about it briefly when we talked about like our favorite kind of like moments and with like adam potentially like continuing on and then doing something to like fix his, fix his morpher. So like seeing these Rangers show back up is neat, but it was just one of those things where I was like, that's a weird line and weird thing to happen, especially with all of them right there. Um, but when, I mean, I have up until like when, uh, Jason shows up, is that well, I, I have. Yeah, I so I have um, I love that TJ, like the reference is very subtle, but TJ gets out of the car out of the mm -hmm. red um i don't know if it's red lightning or if it's the um because remember he had a second red zord there was two like him and justin both got like a red and a blue zord that wasn't their zord zord it was like another separate vehicle vehicle and i can't i cannot remember but tj was definitely the one who got it because it was after tommy had left um but uh i i i, I really enjoyed that um I think it was a bold move to say to people, we all know Tommy, the Zeo Red Ranger. <laughs> and you're like, really? Mm -hmm. Is that what we know him as? But also think about it. At this point, Tommy had left being the Red Turbo Ranger, but he was only the Turbo Ranger for a little bit. So if he came back, right. like, and they're all being like kind of the last Ranger they are with the exception of TJ, I guess, because TJ would have technically been blue in space, which is weird because TJ then uses blue in space in the 20 year anniversary. Um, but it's uh i prefer tj as the blue the, i mean i think he was a good red ranger nothing against it but it's just something about i think he looks really good in that in space costume and i i just i love tj in that season so much mm -hmm. um and he's also one of those characters that i think had a great arc from where he came to where he ended up and stuff so um no but i i always think it was bold it's weird you know now looking back on this hindsight about this we're definitely in a time where this franchise is like shoving the green or white ranger down our throats and here we are and they're like red zeo ranger although i do feel like they talk about tommy being the turbo ranger at the least ever but yeah um i do like that uh tj does bring that up in the end of the episode where he says like i replaced him <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you did you did you did buddy and you did good um I, I love that they're uh they're, they're they're doing this on another mega ship. I love that they are consistent with it. It's not just I feel like nowadays they'd be like, and here's the mega ship, and you'd be like, I guess it still exists. You'd be like, no. They're like, this was just finished being made. This is the mega ship mark two, and that's that's what we're gonna do. Right off in Nasada. And you're like, oh, they made it here on Earth. Um 
And I, I lo- what I love about this too is I love how everybody's got like kind of a reason and like a special moment before they're e- they've even left this like planet. They all have a little bit to do. Um, a little bit of business for everybody. Yeah. So so I'm I'm up to where I was making a note about how I was saying I can't believe it seems almost insane to me that they got Austin St. John and Jason David Frank in the same yeah. area, knowing everything we know now, but maybe they didn't dislike each other as much as they did back then. But My, and so the the thing I have is like the Predator arm clasp, which if you've ever seen Predator, there's that scene with uh oh yeah uh, like Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers like doing and it's like meme culture right now, but like just this more most manly like arm clasp with just like focusing on these muscles and they do that same sort of clasp but they're both wearing jackets but in your mind as a child you're just like oh that's a thing these guys are so iconic and they're shaking hands well i also love i love how he like pulls up on the motorcycle from the sunset he was like i'll do this but i have to have a dramatic entrance and Mm -hmm. um i i like that um because i just i didn't i didn't like call while the show was going on i didn't like really the only the only ranger i liked in that season was taylor the yellow ranger and i love that he's like so like he's like oh the wiping his hand on his jeans and goes hey and jason just like taps him on the shoulder <laughs> i'm just like ah it's so jason um i also enjoy that this episode i what i love about it is like it does give tom it does give tommy that you know, acknowledgement that he has, you know, been on Power Rangers quite a bit, the most, I believe, you know, at that point, or it was definitely the most at that point, but, um, you know, so, so they kind of make a couple reference to that and, but it wasn't like, it still gives reverence to Jason as well being the original, but then it, it, those two don't overshadow the other ones either. Mm-hmm. So I, so I think this episode does a really good job of that. Um, I said, um, I wrote that I really like that. And it's, he only speaks for one line, but I like that it's alpha alpha on the ship is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's, uh, that it's like classic alpha's voice. So it's not alpha six, the cab driver, alpha six Deca. or the, the alpha. What? No, Deca is, no, well, well, Deca no. doesn't get to it's talk. Alpha, though. alpha on the ship with Deca is like the alpha a female six. alpha. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That it, yes, that is Alpha Six, but Alpha Six had a different voice before that. His voice okay. was messed up. His voice um got Hey Rangers. Yeah, he used to have that New York like, I'm gonna drive a cab around here. And I'm like, What? Why are you from New York? I don't remember there was an explanation at one point, but um there was a thing I just saw about Alpha. I just wanted to read that in here. Okay, so it says um Alpha Seven. It's actually Alpha Seven. So it says it's a new alpha robot that had the voice and personality of alpha five uh, provided by Richard uh, Stephen Horvitz, who was the original alpha voice um, and a new body that resembles alpha six body with alpha five's early MMPR season one head shape, which I, I got to go back and look closer. Cause I don't think I ever noticed that. Hmm. Um, uh, they said they, that, that, that it's assumed the mega ship cannot transform into the Megazord because of the lack of the shuttle. Um, but uh okay um we can move on because my next note is a little bit from a little bit further into the episode here but um i read i read somewhere in here that basically the main thing was um that tommy okay it's in producing why the producing of the episode stuff isn't with the notes of the episode but um tommy was specifically given 
lines that like they would imagine Zordon would have said. Which is weird because he has a line about Serpentera that makes it seem like he's unfamiliar with what Serpentera is. Oh, why? What does he say? Uh, that's one ugly Zord, huh? Or something like that. It's like something really stupid. Like he hasn't seen it before. And I'm just like, no, oh, he's familiar. I guess, I guess, um, TJ didn't have his full name before this episode. So it's Theodore J. Jarvis Johnson. It's a lot of J's. That is a lot of J's. Wait, is Theodore J. Jarvis Jameson? No. So what's the, yeah. J. Jarvis Johnson. So what's the other J or is it J-A-Y? No, Theodore J. Jarvis Johnson. So Theodore space J space Jarvis. Like letter J or J-A-Y? His first name is Theodore J, J J-A-Y. Okay. So it's not Theodore initial J and then. No, 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 no. (laughs) It's like, it'd be like Emily May or something like that. It's like. Okay. Um. Yeah, so. These notes are all over the place. I'm going to stop looking at these in a second and just go through our own. Oh, I, I, we didn't even talk about this in the beginning that Bulk and Skull are playing a chess game and the, the pieces on the chess game are the Psycho Rangers. The figures, yeah. yeah Which I, gets into the fact that where I was like, oh, there's no figures that exist of these really that I can get. Yeah, and... um. Oh, I guess these are all the names of the Shadowborg figures and everything. So let me just check to my notes. Uh, General Vengex. Yeah, I wrote down the General Vengex thing because you brought that up that Vengex is also the name of the RPM villain. Right? That was this week. Like I was going through stuff and I was like, well, Vengex is the villain in uh, RPM, right? Yeah. Vengex virus. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, and then General Vengex, because I was like looking up the Shadowborg stuff because we were like, oh, oh we're... wait, who, yeah, it's, sorry. Vengex is from RPM. Peace Morphers. What did I say? RPM? Yes, sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, but the fact that it's General Vengex in this, and I was like, wait a minute, that's weird. That like, that's a very specific name to have it be something that's like reused is odd. What is the virus called? Isn't the virus called gen- gen- what is the virus called in RPM now? Mm-hmm. Right, I gotta look it up. This is bugging the crap out of me. It's called the Vengex virus. Is it? yeah, that's what I thought. I have it. Yeah. Oh, Vengex. and oh, okay. So that's why we're tying it in because the villain's called Vengex and it's a computer virus system. Okay, I am. I'm an idiot. But do you think that they could even reach even further back and be like, oh, well, the the machine empire uploaded itself before. He was destroyed. I wondered that when I watched him blow up in the last part. Do you think you would have thought of that if I didn't mention it this week? No, I think I would have written the note down. But no, I don't think I would have thought. Of it. <laughs> um, so this um, is just a weird thing. I'm sure like it's probably just like one of those things where they just uh, like, uh, we'll just reuse the name. It's fine. Yeah. Has an X in it. Sounds cool. Well, so I like um, what I really do love about this episode, too, is like so when they get to the moon, everybody has a moment like these characters had good character moments, but they also had good fighting moments where they were alone and they fought. And then they also have great more fighting moments. So they it was like every you got everything you wanted. But the story is also really solid, too, because it literally takes one of the loose threads from Power Rangers and ties it up like the Mm -hmm. Serpentera being on the moon. I love that ties back into Power Rangers Zeo. 
Um, so apparently all these Beetleborg uh, things have names names too. So it's General Vengex, Steelon, Ottoman, Garak, and Tesla. Um, and then it's Elon also funding. So uh, what'd you say? Elon Musk is funding uh, terror zords. Yeah. The moon. Well, I wouldn't be surprised, but it says, um, did you know that the, um, that the voices of those uh, things are actually former Power Rangers actors? I Nope, I did not. Walter Jones. Wait, are you being sarcastic? N- no, I'm not. Okay. Walter- if I keep saying it in the same tone. <laughs> Walter Jones is one of them. Archie Ko uh, and Catherine Sutherland. Really? Yeah. Um, also, I have their, their Beetleborg names I was going to tell you, and I just completely lost it. But I will, when I find it, I'll bring it back up to you. Um, is it their real Beetleborg names or like their? No, it's like, the real Beetleborg names, and I have to tell you it because it's stuff. so ridiculous. I, it's okay. So Vengex is the Shadowborg, like you said. Tesla is Ladyborg. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that flew in back then. But it's it, that ah, minus her sort of Ladyborg. Huh? That one's a girl. Should she be like uh, like a prime man? No, lady. She's a lady. Make it polite, like a lady. <laughs> yeah. Garrick is the green hunter Beetleborg and Ottoman is the fireborg head and the lightning board Borg body. And he uses, uh, and the blue stinger Beetleborg stinger blade. And then steel on is the dragon board missing the dragon board's dragonfly attachment on the head who used the mega blue Beetleborg's thunder stinger weapon. I noticed that, that the weapon was from Beetleborgs as well, but. Well, it's weird that they only changed, like, for two of them, they changed, like, a bunch of different elements. They were like, we don't want people to put two and two together too much. You got to change them up a bit. But they were, like, fine with Shadowborg and the Green Hunter Borg. <laughs> they were just like, and, and Ladyborg got to be the They're same. They're like, I'm so tired. Can we just go home tonight? Let's, uh, this one's a lady. Let's call her Lady. Ladyborg. She's a lady. Kids will love it. They'll understand. Um... <laughs> They couldn't even change the helmet for Shadowborg. They were just like, ah, I'll leave it. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm always like, it's whatever, it's fine. I, I don't mind it now, you know. I, it, I, I, I actually wrote good, u- good reuse of <laughs> the suits, yeah. but, um, I, I said, um, I just about the fighting scene. I said it's like it's great because it's just it's classic stunt work, and they all have mm-hmm. good moments. Um, Eric kicking the cog under a random desk, this like random wooden desk that's on this moon <laughs> factory, is hilarious to me. But um, I love that Carter is using uh, his blaster. It's just like ah, I'm not in the mood. I, I will both fight them Shoot and use this them. blaster. Yeah, and I'm always like, what a what a badass he is. But. Um, Leo basically uh, just showed up for the morphing shot. I I feel like I don't know if he just they couldn't get him in time or something like that. Um, uh, but I do enjoy when they all morph on the moon. I like that it's them in that moment morphing, but they all get their individual moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird because Leo says that go galactic twice. So I'm also like, oh, they missed an ADR line right there. But what's also weird is there was something bizarre in the Lost Galaxy Lightspeed Rescue crossover because whenever Leo is morphed in that, it's not his voice. He only oh. is himself. He didn't do any of the ADR work. And they, they say the voice was the actor who played Mike in that season. Um, hmm. I don't I don't know what went on to that. Maybe maybe we'll look into maybe we'll do an episode about scandals. Oh, that would be fun. Man, would it be fun? I don't know. Um, but 
Just all, do the entire episode holding our pearls. Well, I just said I love the the wire fighting. I am a big fan of all of this wire fighting, especially around this time of Power Rangers. And like, I love um, that style of like when he does the Z05 power kick, and like it pauses when it hits him, but then the camera moves around him, so it's that like quasi Matrix bullet time effect. What did you call it before? It was like a slow down, slow down go. The slow down go, yeah, slow down go. Um, I think I actually called it that later because I said in the next part, I like the, <laughs> the sped up, slowed down in space light speed team. <laughs> it was clearly just writing really fast. But um, I and then I wrote, could Vengex come back? Because you don't like exactly see, like they have that last shot of him in the cockpit. And you're like, hmm. Is, and that that shot is not that far off from what happens to the green cycle ranger in the comic. Like which is a very similar like existence, right? So like this Zor- or this character is kind of like left on the moon in stasis at that point, right? I I would be blown away if that's how far they're going to tie it back. I mean, I will be thrilled if they tie this back even to just the the virus and RPM. Mm-hmm. You know, I I have a fear that they're not actually going to do that, but um I would just I I would it would be it would be incredible to me, but I, I don't know. Um, do you have any more notes about the moon um, fighting? There, there was just that weird shot of like the, the weird green screen of the, I don't know. I, I assume it's, um, wild force, like jumping on the bike, but it's like the, the like stock shot of him running next to the bike. Right before oh he yeah. On. Which is, which is that that's the shot that's always used whenever he gets on that bike. And okay. I remember when the, it happens the first time he ever does it, I'm like, I hate this. Cause it's clearly, they're <laughs> like, you just have to keep running. And it's just like the worst, it's like the most unnatural run yeah. I've ever seen. And then followed uh, by some pretty early CGI work on a TV. It's show, rough, huh? Well, also, it makes Serpentera, like, after they've been fighting this whole time, and what we've come to know Serpentera as on the show, like, it looks like she's like, oh, no, this worm took off. Like, yeah. It's, it, it's Yet still somehow better than the CGI from the Power Rangers movie film for theater viewing. What? Oh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I wrote, um, so when they get back to the planet and they're all, it's just a really quick finale scene here. And Tommy like, is like, okay, bye everyone. And he like just leaves. And they're yeah, and, he bounces. Um, when Cole is like, so that was the greatest, that was Tommy, the greatest power ranger there was. And I, I always think, is this a metaphor? Is Cole the green ranger fanboys? And then we're the rest of the power rangers laughing at the ridiculousness I, of Cole. Maybe, but it, isn't it weird because when he's when Tommy's introduced, isn't he like, who's that? And they were like, you don't know who that is, right? No, like, yeah, but no, but he says that's Tommy, the greatest, blah blah blah. So he's repeating the line that was told to him. Okay, yeah, like it's so it's called such symmetry. A thing. It's called symmetry. It's handled so well. It's him. Episode. It's him learning. That was his learning arc for this. Um, oh. But uh, like, I thought. Um, I, I I love it too because it was kind of like it is like you can think that if you want and that's fine but they're also like yeah I, I and then they all have a great moments of reference to their own shows because I love how Eric is like my Q-Rex will eat his dragon sword so you're like oh you're referencing the fact that he was the green ranger right now he um, also and is way more animated in that one shot than I have ever seen Eric in the show I believe like he does that weird like 
crouch like he's like would eat his dragon sword well remember that's his that's where his his final arc in time force if you rewatch that is he finally accepts that he's a part of this team so he's it's just been him and Wes, so he's finally like friendly Hmm. yeah you you see that side of him a little bit in the crossover episode too okay yeah so Uh, i did like the tj thing um you brought up also where he's like well i replaced him i like that and i love that he brings up the pizza episode (laughs) that's your favorite yes well it's the episode where they say we're here to toss your salad so mm-hmm. it, it's like somebody wrote that. But I also like that Jason makes the reference where he's like, I was doing all the work while he was kissing Kimberly in the juice bar. You're like, yep. oh, cute. Cute. I also like that Tommy had to go, but Austin St. John was like, I can stick around, film with you guys for a bit. I'll hang out. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm going to read some of the stuff I have on the site in front of me. Okay. Uh, I'll allow it. Okay. So again, this is this is not my stuff. This is the fandom, the Ranger Wiki. Um, so I don't know how much of this is true or not, but I just think some of it is is really interesting. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna read some of the the production history stuff, which is early drafts. So it says there were four separate outlines for Forever Red, one by Kochi Sakamoto, one by Jonathan Zacher, um, and two by Amit uh Bomic. Uh, the first outline involved the villains who have already been who have already destroyed a colony, planning to attack Earth and assaulting various Red Rangers, whose introductions are staggered throughout the story. The second outline had all the Red Rangers introduced in a brief showcase scene, um, being separately gathered by Alpha Five to Angel Grove, where they surprised the five metallic warriors upon arrival. Uh, the third has Andros gathering the Red Rangers via Tommy after discovering a cult are trying to resurrect Dark Spectre and involves all 10 fighting a resurrected Dark Spectre. Um, the draft, this draft brought all the Rangers together early on so they could interact more. Most of the elements from this draft would survive into the fourth draft where Bachmara hoped to include a reference to Malagor. Um, Spectre and Malagor use the same costume and claim Dark Spectre was an adult of that same species. Ah, that would have been awesome. Um, it's unknown how Alpha 5 survived the attack on Eltar in, in this draft of the script, but it is known that in this case he was uh, to serve as the mentor in place of Tommy. Um, Bob, uh, Bamek moved the battle to the moon as a deliberate twist on the four years where Rita through King Mondo operated there. Our heroes are protective, uh, proactive and bringing the battle to the villain's base on the moon for a change. Um, the fourth outline... That's also really interesting, too. The fourth outline became the script. Only one draft was made for the script due to time constraints. On top of that, other episodes of Wild Force were being made at the same time. Oh, also, um, I meant to tell you this, Ken, too. uh, And everyone out there is going to find out. You can buy the script to this. Is it this episode or is it the 25th anniversary episode? But um, Jason Font on his site is selling a script. And that script is one of these anniversary things he's been in and Mm -hmm. it has stuff in it that wasn't in it like including power rangers that were cut so um i i don't remember if it was this but anyway um the suits form the suits from five battle borgs yeah we did we already said that um okay hold on the suits from five 
random Beetleborg, Shadowborg, the Green Hunterborg, Dragonborg, Fireborg, and, uh, Fireborg, and Ladyborg from Saban's Big Bag Beetleborgs were used as the bodies for the remaining generals of the Machine Empire trying to reactivate Serpentera. The use of Beetleborg costumes was planned from the very first outline. The original idea was to use costumes of Beetleborg villains and led to Serpentera, another uh, robot being used instead of Dark Spectre. Bomek said he preferred this idea as it allowed us to combine the villains from two different seasons. Bulk Without Skull appeared in the third outline. In the second, Tommy was going to pass up a t-shirt of the famous two-man rock group band Bulk and Skull. Weird. Um, I told you the thing about the, the Rangers. So Okay, so now I'm going to read some cut lines and scenes. Um, the episode was originally intended to be an extra-long special, and a number of scenes were trimmed or removed from it uh, when it was made into a regular episode. So those scenes uh, are available online as part of production footage. Um, the bits that didn't make it in include Bulk and Skull have a much longer scene referencing all of the shows, the show's old monsters. Um, that's I already said that part, though. The retired part, right? Um, mm-hmm. That Tommy revealed that he was working in a secret. Um, the Wild Force Rangers break up two kids fighting who claim they're playing Power Rangers and tell them Power Rangers don't fight people, so you shouldn't either. Carter Grayson informs the other Rangers that only Cole has been selected for the mission and the others can't come. <laughs> And Cole tells Max, it is important for you guys to stay and protect Turtle Cove. The kids were called Ray and Manny after the two uh, Power Rangers webmasters. Oh, that's cool. In the final draft after Leo said, Andros, we got here as soon as we could. Oracle said, sheepishly, sorry, I always forget to turn right at the Andromeda galaxy. Andros's original reason for why he's a great Red Ranger was, I killed Zordon. Jason was shocked to hear that Zordon was dead. That was redubbed to I saved two worlds, likely because it's disturbing for Andrews to brag about killing Zordon. (laughs) I am going to have to watch his lips. I did not realize that was redubbed. At the end of the episode, TJ had one more line saying, I mean, laugh. It was like pepperonis and cheese and and heat. And it was hard to breathe. It's a great story. Eric says during this, yeah, may the power... May the power be with you. Jason also said, yeah, and I heard it was burnt and crispy and all kinds of stuff. Oh, that one wasn't as fun. That was just more lines. Um, And then I also have scenes that never made it to filming, but can be seen in a draft script online. Ready? Sure. Okay. Cole met Alpha 7 on the mega ship. It involved Cole being scared and surprised he was in space and saying Alpha and Alpha 7 saying, ay, 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 where'd you grow up in the jungle? And as Cole was going to tell him he was born in the jungle, he came face to face with Alpha 7 and jumped. Uh, jump startled as alpha seven introduced him cole wanted to know what is alpha seven but said he was scared and alpha seven said it was a fully sentient fully functional automaton and a walking database of everything relating to the power rangers and cole said looking scared and sick i think i liked it better when i was on earth this in the next scene would have allowed richard Stephen horovitz to record more lines for the alpha seven character there's apparently a scene between Tommy and Alpha 7 on the mega ship was cut that involved Tommy uh, that involved asking Tommy what was wrong and Tommy replying that things have been awkward between him and Jason since they found those stories on the internet in a reference to slash fan fiction featuring them together. That's oh my weird. god, so this was going to like try and do that supernatural thing where it references non-canon in canon stuff so also during the scenes tj and eric were having drinks by the uh synthetron and talking as if like old friends and cole is trying to talk up an enthusiastic jason um vengex blasted cole and leo and orico arrived on the red jet jammer and then blasted the machine empire generals but in amidst final draft they arrive and blasted vengex out of the hangar 
of the moon base. Tommy acknowledged them by saying the red galaxy ranger and the red alien ranger. And Leo uh, said the battle isn't just for the rangers of earth. And Oracle added, this is for heroes everywhere. Not to mention Leo like Oracle didn't appear unmorphed in, in the final draft. Oh, interesting. Um, other materials cut from Bummick's final draft included Steelon originally said Zed was a fool to leave this buried here. Andros recorded a message on his astromorpher saying Andros here. This is worse than I thought. They've almost finished digging it out. Andros originally said his morphing call lets rocket before leaving the moon. Bulk and Skull originally both answered the call. When Cole first met Carter, he added, who are you? Wes's Ranger title was addressed as Time Force Red. TJ's middle name, Jay, was censored. Oh, like redacted, maybe. Carter was tongue-tied when trying to say TJ's full name, and TJ winced when his name was heard. Automus saluted at the speech and said, for the glory of the Royal House of Gadgetry. Alpha 7 originally didn't say, it's already Tommy. Vengex alternatively said, excellent work. At last, King Mondo, we can finally avenge you. The Earth and all their rangers will pay for what they did to you in our glorious evil empire. Jason cracked his knuckles as he said his... Miss King Mondo remark. Uh, Steelon pointed out Red Rangers, eight of them, and then the generals originally joined in the cog battle as they also they had alternative pair ups. Jason and Cole paired up against Vengex in the episode. TJ and Wes fought Ottomus, Andros, and Eric fought Garrick. Carter and Eriko fought uh, Steelon. Leo and Tommy fought Tesla. It's also rumored, but unconfirmed, that Amit's plans included Catherine Sutherland was supposed to make an appearance at the end of the episode as Tommy's wife, picking him up from Nasada spaceport. A draft of the scene confirmed by a, whatever on Facebook was, um, when asked also had Kimberly pick up Tommy and confirmed to be his wife as well. What? Two wives. I, I'm just kidding. Tommy. Obviously I assume it's that's, in the same script. But. That's why he had to leave. He's like, I'm going to go. It's oh like, my God. What's the Peter Brady thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wes and Eric originally contacted Trip in the future to see if the future had changed in one of the drafts. And in one draft, Ryan, the Titanium Ranger, was going to be the new captain of the rebuilt Lightspeed Aqua Base. Oh, that would have been cool. Okay. There's a couple, there's two intended ideas. Okay. Do you want me to ask? Do you want me to keep? I'll just read those and then we can stop because I'm tired of sure. reading. Um, okay. <laughs> I hate reading words. During an online interview, Forever Red writer Amik Bahme, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm probably saying this name terrible, but um, he revealed uh, uh, that he wrote a falling out between Jason and Tommy and that Jason would have turned punk sometime after the events of Turbo, a Power Rangers movie, and before the events of Forever Red, only to have Jason reunite with Tommy and become friends again. This would explain why Jason comes off as arrogant during this episode. However, the scene was ultimately cut out to keep the episode 22 minutes long. I guess that kind of hmm. explains the leather jacket on the bike, too, because you're like, well, I mean, everybody gets into different things at different ages. Doesn't he show up in a duster when he's the Gold Ranger? Uh, no, uh, not a duster. It's like a it's like a um, it's like a Western suits trench that coat. People, yeah, trench coat. That's what we're wearing. It's a duster and the cowboy hat. And you're like, he's just going through stuff. He's going through some stuff. So when asked about the Red Rangers power restorations on Facebook, um, Bomick replied for time constraints. We had to cut some details like how Tommy, Jason and TJ got their original powers back. It's regrettable, but with only 22 minutes of runtime for Forever Red, I thought it was better to focus on the present day action of the episode instead of getting bogged down with filling in every background detail, especially since casual or new fans wouldn't 
have been that familiar with previous seasons and probably wouldn't have cared for too much uh, background explanation, though we actually had plans to eventually address this. You'll notice when Jason shows up to join the other Power Rangers, he mentions how he recognizes some of the other Red Rangers better than others in reference to Wes and Eric, even though that was the first episode they ever appeared in together. By Jason referencing a past team team up with the Silver Guardians, I was trying to set up an eventual prequel episode or special mm-hmm. where we could, where we would refer again to and hopefully even show how Tommy, Jason, TJ got their powers back. And our original plan for the post-Wild Force season, what was ultimately called Ninja Storm, there were some rough plans to bring Tommy back as sort of like a new Zordon, but more of an action-oriented veteran like Nick Fury from Marvel. He would have been the sixth ranger from that season, but after Wild Force, Disney chose to take the show in another direction with Ninja Storm and then Dino Thunder making Tommy a paleontologist and dropping the Zeo powers. Uh, that is really interesting and cool to me. Also, I love that this person was writing this thing that was celebrating, like was ultimately a celebration of all the history of Power Rangers. But I also like how they were, they were doing what we talked about in another episode where it was like, okay, well let's bring back other people. Let's continue these stories in different ways using other things. I love that. That's That's all I have here. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It's like, unf- and, and there's other stuff you can read about like certain episodes and like different writers, like things that got left by the wayside just due to, um, you know, limitations on the show, showrunners not agreeing with it or like things like that. So there were people who were working writing the show earlier on who were definitely like fans and like creating this lore and like world building um, and having things that just kind of like, weren't ever able to be seen. And there's, I definitely think there's like scripts that you can find, uh, that do tie into that stuff, like online, like they've released it later on, um, of stuff that was never produced that, that definitely like lean more heavily into like lore and kind of like these darker aspects and stuff that were like previous writers or showrunners or things like that. It's, I just, I, it's 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 I like I wonder if the episode is so tight because it had been envisioned to be this longer episode and then they brought it back down and I I'm reading there's like a apparently when this first came out there was some like co- controversy about some inaccuracies and a lot of people did take issue with how they just had their powers again um you know and there there's at least there was thought given to that I do appreciate that mm-hmm. um some people saying that Western Super Sentai fans say that it's because the power ranger suits are considered powers rather than tools. But I don't know that I understand the difference between those two things. I think they're still the same thing. It's not like they're magic suits. They're like, it's a suit. I, I, anyway, we can get into that into another thing, but overall, one of my, one of my more favorite episodes and one of my more favorite, uh, well, one of my, I don't know. I don't want to, I mean, it's definitely, it's just such a good, I feel like for me, it's just such a nice episode. Like it is the episode that's like, that could have been the pilot for like, what could have been a cool movie mm-hmm. or something, you know? And I kind of wish it would like, or even like if they used that episode as the, uh, as the jumping off point for a show of a collection of old Rangers, that is right there. The formula about how to do it successfully, I think, you know? Yeah. I agree. I enjoy it. I still enjoy going back to it to see all these Rangers together. It's one of those things I still appreciate seeing different teams all in the same spot every so often. Yeah. 
And it is one of those, it, it, like you said, like I, or like I just said, it's just, I think this would be a great template for, um, for anything when you're talking about bringing them back. And I don't think it has to be all red Rangers. I think I'd like to see other, I'd like to see the female uh, Rangers get an episode or maybe it's an all female Ranger team. That would be great. Led by Jen. Um, you know, and I think in the Sentai stuff, there is something like that. Um, here's the thing. I don't care. You don't watch it. You don't care about Sentai. I don't care about I'm saying like with that though, there is the possibility that it could eventually get to us. I'm only saying it for that reason. I'm not saying it as like, you should be aware. but But what is of note, they made this entire episode and the only Sentai footage in it is reused footage of Serpentera on a monitor. So there's no excuse why there can't just be one episode. That's a special about like if the current, female ranger wants to unite females of the past for some sort of mission why she can't do that it clearly mm-hmm. that's what people want i mean look at the marvel when the when all the ladies of marvel got together in that one moment in endgame it was amazing and uh, you know um i just i think that female rangers haven't gotten uh the time to shine in specials the way i wish they did with the exception of jen uh but you know jen jen is amazing and she could lead the team uh, so I would love to see something like that, but yeah. And any, anything else? That's all I got. Well, yeah. And I, I, de- I definitely agree with you too. What you, your sentiment on, um, what, whatever, um, whatever nitpick or issues I have with this episode, my enjoyment of watching it way overweighs that. So mm-hmm. definitely one of my more favorite of the, uh, re- of the specials of the, the big anniversary kind of specials. Um, and uh, I kind of wish they would do more one-offs of these because like we said earlier in the episode, this kind of exists as its own thing. It, you know, it's a storyline not dependent on any series is really story. It takes elements from the other series and creates this new threat. And I would love to see something like that again in the future. Um, who knows? Who knows? Now with all the streaming services doing what they're doing, maybe that could be a reality. So thank you on everyone out there for uh, listening. Thank you, Ken, for having this discussion. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, and uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can let us know your feelings about this uh, this episode or just how much you hate us or anything like that. It's You can send us an email, podcastrangers at gmail.com, or uh, that's the same on Twitter and Instagram. It's podcastrangers on those. Or uh, my personal um, Instagram and Twitter is rhino, R-Y-N-O-1185. And Ken, uh, I believe he is taking uh, papyrus manuscript deliveries now is that it's you can put uh things on it's uh it's similar to like it's like a uh physical media that they can put and actually write on it and then give it to someone um it's made of like do they have to make it from reeds in a marsh uh yes i mean like well i mean if you want to get technical uh we could talk about how they make it but i don't want to talk about how you make the sausage you know (laughs) hey rangers what am i doing here (laughs) <laughs> yeah so uh that's that um so uh again thank you on everyone out there thank you ken and uh, we'll be back with another episode of podcast rangers <laughs>